1: Thank you for standing by, and welcome to the Loblaw Companies Limited Q4 2020 Earnings Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Roy McDonald. Thank you. Please go ahead.
2: Thanks very much, and good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Loblaw Companies Limited fourth quarter and full year 2020 results conference call. I am joined this morning, as usual, by Galen Weston, our executive chairman, Sarah Davis, our president, and Darren Myers, our chief financial officer. And before we begin the call, I want to remind you that today's discussion will include forward looking statements, which may include but are not limited to statements made with respect to Loblaw's anticipated future results and the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. These statements are based on assumptions and reflect management's current expectations and are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results or events to differ materially from our expectations. These risks and uncertainties are discussed in the company's materials filed with the Canadian Securities Regulators. And any forward-looking statements speak only as of the date they are made, The company disclaims any intention or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, other than what's required by the law. Also, certain non-GAAP financial measures may be discussed or referred to today. Please refer to our annual report and other materials filed with the Canadian securities regulators for a reconciliation of each of these measures to the most directly comparable gap financial measure. And with that, I'll turn the call over to Darren.
3: Thank you, Roy, and good morning, everyone. The fourth quarter represented a continued improvement in our results. Our fourth quarter included an extra week this year. The 53rd week came in a little stronger than expected, contributing approximately 10 cents to our fourth quarter earnings per share. My remarks today will focus on the comparable 12-week period. On an adjusted, consolidated basis our reported revenue grew by 7.1 percent, adjusted EBITDA was up 5 percent, adjusted net earnings were up 3.8 percent, and adjusted earnings per share increased by 6.4 percent. Our same store sales and drug retail increased 3.7 percent. Front store same store sales grew 2.8 percent, while pharmacy same store sales grew by 5 percent. Front store sales mix was driven by strong performance and convenience categories, food, household products, and HABA. We continue to experience pressure to cosmetics and over-the-counter sales. Food retail same-store sales grew 8.6% in the quarter. Demand across our formats increased with market growth of 10.6% and discount growth of 7.4%. Food retail sales continue to benefit from strong demand for essential food categories. Our food retail average article price was 3.9% for the quarter, down from 5.3% in the third quarter. Similar to the third quarter, the average article price increase is not reflective of inflation, but rather a change in our sales mix, including consumers buying larger format items. Using CPI of 1.5% as a reference, our comparable basket inflation would have been closer to CPI for the quarter. Our food retail basket size remained elevated, while traffic continued to show a year-over-year decline in the fourth quarter. Total retail gross margin was 27% excluding the the consolidation of franchises, decreasing 70 basis points compared to last year. In food, our rate of decline improved from the third quarter, but was negatively impacted by sales mix and continued focus on a relative pricing position. In drug, our margin continued to be under pressure from mix. Retail SG&A as a percentage of sales was 17.3%, excluding the benefit from franchise consolidation. It improved by 30 basis points. The improvement reflects sales leverage and process efficiency gains, which were partially offset by COVID-19 related costs and incremental costs related to the growth in e-commerce. During the quarter, COVID related costs increased our spending by an estimated $42 million. Retail EBITDA, excluding the benefit from franchise consolidation, increased $40 million and EBITDA margin came in at 9.9%, a decrease of 10 basis points compared to last year. Moving to PC Financial, Revenue was $320 million, down $17 million from last year, driven primarily by lower credit card spending. Adjusted EBITDA contributions were $62 million, down $8 million from last year, primarily driven by lower credit card spending, partially offset by lower credit losses, lower customer acquisition costs, and a reduction in the credit loss provisions. Adjusted consolidated EBITDA margin was 10.2% in the quarter. Normalized for the consolidation of franchises, EBITDA margin declined 40 basis points compared to last year. In the quarter, on a 13-week basis, IFRS net earnings available to common shareholders was $345 million, and fully diluted IFRS earnings per share were $0.98. On a comparable basis to last year, after excluding $0.10 from the 53rd week, fully diluted IFRS earnings per share were $0.88. An increase of approximately twenty five point seven percent year-over-year moving to cash flow the company generated six hundred and six million dollars of free cash flow and repurchased 5.5 million common shares during the fourth quarter turning to the full year on a 52 week basis revenue grew 7.9 percent we delivered same-store sales of 8.6 percent in food and 4.9 percent in drug our adjusted net earnings declined by 1.6 percent and fully diluted earnings per share grew by 1.2%. Net capital expenditures came in just under $1.15 billion, and free cash flow was $2.25 billion, including $1.47 billion from our retail business, and we repurchased just under $900 billion of common shares. In 2020, Loblaw's performance reflected higher costs and changes to consumer behavior driven by the COVID-19 pandemic. Overall sales increased, but profitability was negatively impacted by company-wide sales mix, growth in e-commerce, elevated COVID costs, and the decision to keep prices low during the pandemic. We invested to meet the incredible demand in the marketplace for digital services, quickly scaling to meet consumers' needs, ending the year with $2.8 billion of e-commerce business. The growth in e-commerce represented a headwind of approximately $100 million, or 20 cents of EPS in the year. Looking ahead, as we transition from year one to year two of the COVID-19 pandemic, there continues to be a high degree of uncertainty about the duration and the impacts of the pandemic on the Canadian economy. As a result, we expect continued volatility in our business as shopping behaviours and demand for products and services continue to evolve. However, we believe our businesses are strong and are well positioned to meet the changing consumer trends. In 2021, on a full-year comparative basis, we expect our retail business to grow earnings faster than sales and to grow year-over-year profitability at PC Financial. We expect earnings per share growth in the low double digits and to invest approximately $1.2 billion in capital expenditures and to return capital to shareholders by allocating a significant portion of free cash flow to share repurchases. In the four weeks following the end of the quarter, food, retail, same-store sales growth remained elevated and drug retail same store sales grow slowed in front store while remaining consistent in pharmacy. For the balance of the first quarter, both food and drug same store sales will lap consumer stockpiling that began in the first quarter of 2020. COVID related costs are trending in the range of 40 to $50 million for the quarter. In conclusion, our performance in 2020 reflected higher costs and changes to consumer behavior driven by the pandemic. Following the challenges of Q2, we have delivered steady improvements in performance and profitability. We are pleased with our positioning as we enter 2021. As a matter of housekeeping, starting the first quarter of 2021, we have made changes to our non-GAAP financial measures policy to simplify and improve peer consistency of our adjusting entries. Refer to the financials for details and a restatement of our 2020 adjusting entries to align with the new policy. I will now turn the call over to Sarah.
4: Thank you, Darren, and good morning, everyone. 2020 was complicated with many shifting dynamics, but we ended the year having made steady and sequential improvements and entered 2021 with confidence. Our core business is healthy. We are managing COVID costs, operating well under modified conditions, and adapting to pandemic-related pressures on our mix. Most importantly, we are holding on to conventional drug and beauty market share gains earned over the last year and improving our trajectory and discount. The fourth quarter was an illustration of our sequential improvement. Demand for food and drugs held our revenue growth high, our retail GP rate declined, but the trend in food improved from the prior quarter, and operating expense rates improved year over year. In food, same-store sales increased 8.6%. Market stores were up 10.6%, holding strong against conventional competitors. Discount stores increased 7.4%, closing the gap with conventional players and improving our trajectory. It is important to note that our food divisional results were more balanced in Q4 than they have been since the beginning of the pandemic. This suggests discount customers are returning to discount stores following a short pandemic hiatus. In our drug segment, revenue increased 3.7%, up 5% in RX and 2.8% in front store. We continue to see some unusual sales results tied to pandemic conditions. For example, we've largely skipped the flu season and beauty continues to be affected by lockdowns. These are not long-term concerns. Further, Shoppers is seeing strong results in convenience and food and expanding its role as a health and wellness destination. Our pharmacy services business increased by over 30% in 2020. Specific to COVID-19, we are supporting everything from public health education campaigns to regional school reopenings to contact tracing. We are proud to contribute, and our pharmacies are ready to play a key role in the nationwide vaccination effort. Our 1,300 pharmacies are within 10 minutes of most Canadians. Our supply chain can deliver vaccines the day we receive them, and we can administer 1 million shots per week. Loblaw Digital continued to operate at higher than normal levels, with Q4 revenue up 160%. For the year, we hit $2.8 billion in online sales, compared to the $1 billion we celebrated a year ago. Online grocery led our digital growth, more than tripling to $2 billion, which was rounded out by Strong Pharmacy, Front Store, GM, and Joe Fresh e-commerce sales. The rise of digital retail has been dramatic. No matter where it settles, we are well positioned with a scalable national e-commerce platform. We know this is where retail is headed, but it creates a challenge. Online grocery is a higher cost channel, so we are taking steps to manage margin impacts over the medium term while maintaining our leadership position. Our payments and rewards strategy is propelling forward. Our new banking product, the PC Money Account, enjoyed rapid uptake, exceeding expectations. And PC Optimum was just named among Canada's 10 most influential brands on the strength of our member engagement, advanced personalization, and loyalty loops. Finally, in a year where health and wellness was front of mind, our long-term connected healthcare network strategy really took root. Centered on omni-channel health tools, we've been connecting Canadians to resources like physicians in our health clinics, mental health resources, and our new PC Health app, making care more convenient. The app was launched as a pilot in September and will be rolled out nationally this year as a virtual front door to health products and services. As we put 2020 in the books, it's clear that our company and our team did a great job reflecting our purpose, helping Canadians live life well. Early in the pandemic, we made a commitment to keep prices low and drive access for customers. We expanded and advanced strategic services to keep Canadians fed and well we reacted quickly to public health guidance and invested hundreds of millions in colleague safety and support. And we invested in the long-term health of our relationships with our colleagues and our customers. It's telling that both our customer satisfaction and our colleague engagement scores have never been higher. Those metrics have never meant more. We didn't get everything perfect, but we have all the pieces in place. The consumer value position is very strong across our banners. Our core business has financial momentum. We are improving growth margins, but not at the expense of customers or market share. We pushed our strategic growth ventures forward dramatically, and we have never been more confident in our ability to serve our customers today and tomorrow. I will now turn the call over to Galen.
5: Thank you, Sarah, and good morning. As we close 2020, there are many areas that deserve reflection. First is the success of our teams across Loblaw's network who kept Canadians fed and well throughout a challenging year. I would once again like to express my heartfelt thanks for their efforts. In the last two quarters, we've established positive financial momentum and strengthened our customer relationships by delivering consistent value and service. Combined, these will drive strong core performance in 2021. That is our focus. We can also reflect on the acceleration of our growth strategy, as each of our pillars scaled up in 2020. Our digital retail businesses evolved and grew nearly threefold. Our PC money account enrollment and loyalty engagement exceeded expectations and millions of Canadians chose us for physical, mental and primary health services in person and online. This validates our strategies and the strength of the growing number of ways that we are serving Canadians every day. Looking forward, our outlook is solid. In the near term, we will provide the essentials, vaccinations and support our customers need, whatever COVID may bring. Longer term, as we emerge from this pandemic, Loblaw will be well-positioned with stronger consumer relationships, conviction in our core business, and momentum in growth areas that match the lives of Canadians. Thank you. I'll
0: now turn the call over for questions.
2: Thank you, Gail. Uh, Cheryl, could I ask you to please introduce the Q&A process?
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
1: ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. Your first question is from Karen Short of Barclays. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
6: Hi, thanks very much. Um I just wanted to clear one clarification and then I had one or two questions. Uh, on the earnings base with respect to your low double digit earnings growth guidance, I'm assuming we use four oh eight as the base, meaning four eighteen um backing out the 10 cents for the extra week. So just to Yeah, clarify. That,
3: yeah that's right Karen.
6: Okay, um, And then I guess I want to talk a, a little bit about so what you're seeing with respect to the discount versus the market stores. As you, Sarah, pointed out, that gap has definitely narrowed um, in 4Q relative to the other quarters. So a little color okay. on what you're seeing on the behavior from the Canadian consumer. And then the last question I had is just what you're seeing from um, vendors in terms of cost increases and how you look at that in terms of your ability to pass on cost increases. So, cost inflation versus retail inflation going into 21.
7: Okay,
4: so on the first question um, about discount versus conventional, so certainly in Q2 when the pandemic started, we saw a flight to conventional, um, which had a significant impact on our uh, discount business as well as a significant positive impact on our conventional business. And uh, what we've been doing through the year is trying to, because our business is predominantly discount, about 60% discount versus 40% conventional in our food businesses, uh, we have been uh, working to win that market share back. And what we saw in Q4 is just a closing of the gap. Uh, So a little bit more uh, growth in the discount business, um, over 7% uh, versus the uh, over 10% that we saw in conventional. So what we are seeing is a little bit of change in consumer patterns, maybe not just the one shop. Like through parts of the pandemic, people were guided to only go shopping once per week, one member per family. They chose conventional, where it was a more complete shop uh, that they could do. Now it's opened up a little bit. We're seeing a few more uh, shoppers doing more than one shop in a week, uh, perhaps uh, shopping in a few different banners as well. Uh, so that's really what we're seeing uh, so far in Q1. We're seeing a similar trend, uh, but these things are super hard to predict. But that's uh, that's what we're predicting uh, for the beginning of 2021 as well. And then on your second question about uh, what do we expect in terms of inflation, uh, we always uh, uh, we never really give our our predictions. It's so hard to predict. But I think what we are expecting is that it's going to be low. Uh, low, like one, you know, we're always in the sort of the one to 3% uh, range of inflation is what we're expecting to see in uh, 2021. That would be our best guess.
6: Okay, and then just, sorry, last question. How are you thinking about the competitive environment um, with respect to the fact that most of you will probably see comps turn negative? Um, Are you preparing for a much more promotional environment, kind of as the food away from home pie begins you contract and food um, sorry, food at home, pie begins to contract and food away from home hopefully starts to reaccelerate in Canada? Just thoughts on that.
4: It's true. So I would say in Q1, we do start to lapse. We have a few weeks in Q1 where we lap the, the absolute uh, you know height of the panic buying. And then Q2, uh, we would have, obviously, the high heightened as well. From our position, we feel very well positioned from a price perspective across all of our banners, um, across both our conventional business and our discount business. Um, so we feel like we're actually in a very good position uh, to meet the changes uh, in consumer you know, demand as we go through
1: it. Great. Thank you. Your next question is from Mark Petrie of CIBC. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
8: Yeah, good morning. Um, thanks for the disclosure on the uh, online earnings impact. Um, I know you're taking steps to improve profitability but could you just summarize some of those key steps uh, and how should uh, how should we think about that dilution
9: evolving uh, in 2021
4: Okay so uh, I think uh, Darren and I might both have something to say on this one so I'll start maybe he can add in a little bit So yeah we had some uh, because we had such rapid increase uh, tripling the sales specifically on our grocery business in 2020 we did see Uh, a large uh, financial impact of that and 2021 we're not expecting to have the same kind of increase Uh, we're not exactly sure where it's going to land but we don't expect it to triple again this year so we're not expecting the same type of financial pressure and yes to your point we are looking at ways uh, to improve the profitability uh, but i would say 2021 is going to be very much about uh, improving execution so very much about improving the customer uh, service associated with digital Uh, focused on uh, two key areas, one being substitutions and the other being wait times. In addition, we're going to focus on improving our cost to serve. So that will involve some uh, forms of automation and different uh, methods as well as improving just the pick, um, in-store pick uh, process that we have as well. So different ways to improve profitability there. And then over the longer term, I would say we're looking at ways to margin up, improve uh, adding extra items to the basket, in order to improve margins um as well i don't know darren if there's anything you want to add
3: yeah maybe mark just to, the way to think about it, i mean clearly it's a higher cost to serve model or channel and and so we tried to give a little more color this year so you could understand that impact and as you think forward there's the improvements we're making and then it's going to depend on the penetration if the penetration rates go up it will be dilutive um still and if it stays kind of where it is today then with the improvements making uh, that we're making you know it would be relatively neutral year over year and from everything we see or how we think people will react as sarah just said i don't think we'll see a lot of growth there maybe some growth um, but i certainly don't think it will be a major uh, financial headwind going into 2021.
8: okay thanks and then just to dig a little deeper i guess on the food growth margin could you just help us understand some of the moving parts there Um, that's that's leading to the pressure uh, that you're talking about. Uh, I mean, you know, improved trajectory, as you said, from Q3. But, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of tailwinds on on your food gross margin, be it, you know, mixed between channels um, online, which, as I understand it, is generally a higher gross margin. Um, uh, Is it really just sort of price investments that's sort of offsetting that? Or maybe just help us understand that a little bit. And then again, sort of the outlook for 2021
3: sure um let, let me start with i mean we're, we i think the themes are consistent with what we've been talking about since the second quarter What's been really uh, uh promising is that we, we're showing fundamental improvement each quarter and this quarter we saw a nice uh, a nice improvement over the third quarter it's still down i would say it's it's primarily mixed and our focus on getting those keeping our price position in, in a relatively uh strong position which helps us going into 2021 we think we're in a really good position there but You know, the the mix impact is is areas like, which we've talked about on previous calls, apparel, um, HMR, you know, deli, areas like that that continue to still impact us, and then you add to that the the, the pricing side of things. But um, all in all, you know, we're making improvement. We've been doing it in a a measured way, and, uh, you know, we're pleased with uh, the trajectory that we're on right now. As we think of next year, certainly our objective will be to continue to improve our our food gross margin uh, going through this year. Or this year, I should say, yes, yeah.
8: okay, and then I guess maybe just the last just to sort of follow up on on that with regards to the to, to the 2021 guidance um, in terms of uh, in terms of EPS growth, um, you know obviously you've got a lot of cost efficiency efforts um, and and those have been substantial, but there are a lot of moving parts on the SGNA, so just you know what type of SGNA dollar or margin change is sort of embedded in your in your EPS guidance?
3: Mark I'm smiling just like I thought that was a nice try. Um no, listen, I think I we we've tried to take a, a big step forward with, with given the kind of the, the um the uh, earnings expectation with uh, low double digits. You know, I think people should think about that and you know, call it the you know, the ten to fifteen percent range, like it's a pretty big range. There's obviously lots of dynamics going on right now. Um I expect to see some gross margin increases, but it's it's a little hard to predict the S G and A. Uh, right now with all the moving parts and how long does the pandemic last and what do the costs look like and and just there's just too many factors there so trying to be as helpful as we can be though
8: okay appreciate all the comments and all the
1: your next question is from irene natel of rbc capital markets please go ahead your line is open
10: Thanks, and, and good morning. A couple of follow-ups on some of the discussion that we've had already. So just the $100 million in e-commerce uh, headwind in 2020, presumably that included waiving the period during which they wa- you waived the fees, which you're not going to do again this year, correct? That's right. Okay. Um, and it also would have included sort of the cost to scale up quickly so some of those are one-time costs so wondering where the incremental is coming from for 2021 if you will
3: so i'm not sure where where maybe i'm misquoted before or spoke but i don't think i've said uh, we'd expect incremental in 2021 all else being equal
10: right no but 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 i mean if, if you had some one-time costs last year that are going to recur this year, just trying to kind of, I guess, you know, square that circle or whatever it is around where you're going to be, like, is it spending around the initiatives that is going to keep it at that $100 level?
3: Well, well, the big chunk of that is just, it's just the higher cost to serve. Like even those are great points that you, that you raise that are, are within the number, but the lion's share of it is, you know, all the labor costs, the depreciation, all the costs that Go into uh, fulfilling an online order. So, for the, the, the majority of it, is all falls in that category. So, those those continue, and our job is to keep trying to reduce that that dilution over time. And as Sarah outlined, there's a number of areas we're looking looking at over the long term to to do that.
10: Okay, and, and sorry, sorry to keep sort of harping on this one segment. Just trying to understand some of the. Some of what your assumptions are. So you're assuming that e-commerce is going to be sustained at around current levels over the course of 2021? We're not expecting a huge
4: increase. Uh, it'd be about. We don't know exactly how it is going to land, but I think uh, it's fair to say we're not expecting the same increase we saw in 2020. So everything else being equal, your point about the $100 million would be that it would be, it could be a little less um, because we don't have some of the um, one-time cost but at the same time the majority of that cost is the cost of the labor to pick in the source. and that would come with the same
10: penetration levels in 2021. Okay that, that's great thank you and then just following up on the discussion around gross margin um, uh, trying to sort of uh, interpret what you're saying so what I heard was you're investing in gross margin by keeping prices Um, within a certain range in order to provide the best value for consumers. Um, Wondering whether you think that's paying off in terms of your market share and market positioning. In other words, are consumers recognizing the degree to which you're investing in gross margin, and is that driving better performance? Yeah, I think maybe I'll start, and Darren can add. So
4: I would say what happened for us is that we, uh, because of our mix, of businesses between discount and conventional uh, we did lose share in our discount business uh, business as we were in the height of the pandemic and so we did invest to win some of that back Uh, we hate losing market share um, and so we did invest to win some of that share back we're seeing an improved uh, trajectory in that area and as uh, as we highlighted already in q4 we're starting to see the gap narrow between the two in terms of our conventional business, we did do some, uh, I think we have highlighted that we did a few investments in price there as well, um, just making sure that we had a very good competitive price position in our conventional business. We've seen market share gains um, in every quarter, in every period um, in our conventional business against um, the market as well as against other conventional players. So we feel like it was absolutely uh, worth it in that business. And in discount, it was just a disadvantage uh, as a result of the structure of our business, that caused us to invest. But in both cases, we actually feel entering 2021, we're in a very good position in terms of our price positions.
10: Uh, thank you. Very helpful. And then, uh, just one finally, if I may, on the whole question of, of the vaccines, um, I'm thrilled and delighted to hear that you can that you can deliver vaccines at that level. Uh, has the government given an indication that it that it will turn to you? To be delivering those vaccines and if so any idea what the timeline is well that is a fantastic question um we would say that we have been given some
4: uh ability so definitely in alberta we start next week offering the vaccine in some stores um in ontario uh, we have been told that we will be part of the vaccine process but we are uh, we don't know the exact timing uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, similar case. So I think each province is going to do it its own way. Uh, we've been in conversations with every um, government, every parts of the government, saying that we are would be happy to help. Uh, we feel like we've got uh, we're well positioned to do it. Uh, we've been doing flu vaccines for years, um, so we do think, but we have not been given um, the rollout strategy across all the provinces or the
10: timing yet. Thank you.
1: Your next question is from Kenrick Teague of ATB Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
11: Thank you, and good morning. Um, Sarah, you, you called out your e-commerce growth in, in 2020, you know, that 178% increase. I think you also called out a total of $2.8 billion, of which food was roughly $2 billion in year. Could you speak to, in 2020, how much more concentrated in food growth was uh, versus 2019, or, or perhaps even in clearer, in clearer terms, what your share of food was of e-commerce in 2019. And then also just how it evolved through the year and exited 2020. And then finally, if possible, just any color on the year-to-date attribution and trajectory of your e-commerce sales.
4: Okay, let me see if I got all that. You might have to repeat parts of it. Okay, so in terms of um, So the data that you have, so on food specifically, we went, uh, we tripled to 2 billion um, in 2020 from 2019. Um, We are, I think we mentioned that we had about 160% uh, growth in Q4. Um, That's a total number the food, but the food would be slightly higher than that, but it's in and around that. Um, So the highest growth I think we saw in Q2 at the height of the pandemic. what other parts were there? Sorry to ask you to repeat. Sure. Oh, share. Share is a tricky one for us. So we um, there's no external source um, to get a very accurate um, share uh, percentage on uh, on grocery retail, but we feel we have a leading position um, in share based on you know collaborating, putting a few numbers together um, in terms of it, but uh, we don't have a def- definite number. Um, but we feel we have a leading share. We're pleased with where we are nationally um, and seeing the growth right across uh, the whole country. And, and can't recognize that trajectory,
3: sorry, sorry, that trajectory question. Yeah, just as Sarah said, you know, trajectory was still strong in the fourth quarter. I suspect first quarter as well because the pandemic buying or you know the real lockdown started you know towards the end of the quarter. So we're still going to have a period of time where we're. Where we're seeing that growth and then we're going to start lapping um you know uh, much higher e-commerce sales from from 2020.
11: Great thank you both for that and then just just a quick follow-up on COVID and COVID related costs you've you've guided to 40 to 50 million in quarter on a 42 million in the fourth quarter I just want to make sure we're correctly thinking about the evolution of those costs through a year I mean is this to your mind Within that range, something of a, of a run rate, given your sales base or the sales base you're building off, uh, you know, all things being equal with respect to vaccine availability or immunization across Canada. Should we think of this range as sort of as good as it gets with respect to COVID costs or are there ways that you expect that will tail off, uh, you know, fairly markedly through the course of the year?
3: No, it, it should come down. I mean, I would tie it to what state of uh, lockdown the country is in. And, you know, as the economies open up, as people can move around, as the vaccine has as more people have the vaccine, we won't need um, the same level of COVID costs. So think about you know, security at stores, doing checking how many people are coming in and out. You know, you know, hopefully we're in a world where, where that uh, those restrictions are easing as the year goes on. So certainly our COVID costs should ease with that. I, I wouldn't begin to try to predict how that, how and when that happens, though, but it should come down.
4: Yeah, and the cost of PPE, I think, will come down. The cost of sanitation, um, some of those may stay, but I would say that I think we do expect the cost to come down, as Darren mentioned.
11: Great. Thank you for that. And then just a quick follow-up, just on uh, beauty and uh, the promotional activity in that channel. Could you speak to, you know, obviously some real headwinds from the pandemic but could you speak to just how effective your promotional activity was and what sort of buffer it provided uh within beauty and then perhaps also just how your share on the back of that activity trended through the end of the year and uh you know yesterday
4: yeah so beauty was definitely impacted um by the lockdowns um in in 2020 but we're pleased with our performance because we won share um, in every quarter, um, relate in beauty. And so we feel that our, I mean, partially because our, some of our competitors would have been closed during that period, but we're, we're pleased with, uh, our performance there. We think our promotional activity is, uh, at the right level, um, for what we need in order to bring, uh, you know, beauty customers into our stores. And we also saw quite a nice uptick online in beauty as well. So we have seen so we speak a lot about the food business online but we had saw nice growth across uh, various parts of our business including beauty
11: that's great thanks very much i'll leave it there. Thanks,
1: your next question is from michael van elst of td securities please go ahead your line is open
9: thank you so you covered a lot of it uh, but i just want some clarifications to help me understand certain things um so on your price investments in discount versus conventional, it sounds like they're a little more aggressive in discount. Um, and I'm wondering if, if you think that your prices, one, uh, decreased more than your competitors uh, if you were trying to gain back share. And then, two, do you think that gap between conventional and discount expanded during 2020 just because there was, the traffic was so strong in conventional stores?
4: Okay, so yes, we were more aggressive in our price investments in our discount division. And um, we do think that the gap increased um, between the conventional players and the discount players during 2020 as a result of the, the demand going to conventional. And then there was another one in the middle. What was the other piece in the middle? You had and another. Do you
9: think here. you lowered your, your prices in discount oh. more? Than- competitors if you were trying to gain share?
4: Yeah, we would have, uh, we did. Gain, we we believe we did, um, and uh, to, to gain back that share.
9: Okay, so you think you're comfortable with your, where your pricing is for the year, and, and I, I guess if, assuming the, assuming traffic were were to go back to normal levels or more, more normal patterns between conventional and discount, would you expect to see pricing go up in discount or down in conventional to close that gap, at least in your network?
4: Oh, that's a tricky one. I mean, pricing is so dynamic. I think that what we can say is we feel very comfortable with where we're entering 2021 from a price position. So we don't feel that we have to, um, you know, at this point in time, but it all depends on how our competitors uh, behave as well. Um, So I think uh, I would say comfortable with our position coming into 2021, difficult to know. Um, I wouldn't necessarily expect you know, increases or decreases across the board.
3: And Mike, we've been very um, conscious and focused on the conventional gap within our company to discount. So we think we're in a good position there. Okay.
9: Uh, On the flu vaccines, um, thanks for that color. Uh, We've seen in some markets, like I think BC and, and Quebec, there doesn't seem to be any real announcements about getting pharmacists involved, at least within the pharmacies themselves. It sounds like they're asking you to asking pharmacists to to go to the mass vaccination sites to help out, is is that, am I correct in what I'm
7: understanding?
4: Yeah, that's correct. In both BC and Quebec, that would be um, the way that it looks. And it's in the other provinces where we think we will have a bigger role in the pharmacy. But we also think that this vaccine will be around for a long time. So there will be, so it is, it may at some point, even in Quebec and BC, um, come to pharmacy over the long term as well
9: is, are you able to benefit or are you able to to the is, is Loblaws and shoppers as a as a company see some benefit from pharmacists uh, doing it uh, or and doing the injections off site or is it um or is that just strictly a pharmacist benefit
4: I think it would just be—I don't know what how the there's no talk about exactly how the financial model would work. So my so it's difficult to say, but I see it as being uh, an advantage to the pharmacist.
9: Okay, and then was there any flu vaccine per, I mean, period? I mean, I I think I read 2.1 million vaccinations by shoppers um, in the fourth quarter somewhere. Is that the right number? And and is that is that down from prior years?
4: No, we had a very big flu vaccine uh, season um, it, this year, and so it would definitely be up. I think we'll have to get you the exact number, but I think 2.1 sounds about right. Um, but, uh, we'll, but we'll ask Roy to follow up and get you the exact number on flu vaccines. But it was up. It was a good flu vaccine season for us. All
9: right, thanks very much. Oh, actually, one last question. Um, I don't know if I heard you right, but I think you said your your pharmacy services uh, sale, same-store sales were actually higher than uh, than what you were showing in terms of pharmacy
4: same-store sales. Is that accurate? That's right. So, Our pharmacy services is a much smaller base, but it was up um, like 30% um, and starting to become quite meaningful. So pharmacy services would be anything from med checks to um, vaccines to COVID uh, tests. Those would be the types of things that were included in that. And that was up, and that would explain why it's higher, our same-store sales are higher than what we're seeing in terms of the scripts. Okay. All
9: right.
1: Thank you. Your next question is from Peter Sklar of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
12: Uh, thanks. Sorry to ask another question on this um, uh, price investment and discount. But looking back kind of holistically, what what do you think – happened or what unfolded that kind of got you off track in terms of your uh, market share and, and positioning and, and discount, uh, you know, among the competitive subset, as you know, there's a lot more than price. So I'm just, Sarah, as you look back in retrospection, can you just kind of summarize what, what you think happened there that went against you that required you to invest in price to get back where you needed to be?
4: Yeah, I would absolutely say that the loss of uh, sales and discount had nothing to do with price. It was absolutely related to uh, structural challenges related to the pandemic. And it really was as simple as uh, people going and doing one-stop shop. And so going to a conventional store where the assortment is uh, bigger um, and uh, and not shopping around. So many of our customers, no-frills shoppers, um, it would be a fill-in. So they would do shop at conventional and at a no-frills and some of that uh, went away. I would say it was the capacity. So everything that makes our no-frills banner successful uh, in non-pandemic times, uh, which would be high volume, small assortment, uh, quick um, transactions, um, small footprint um, was not advantageous during the pandemic. It was hard to get the volumes through. So we would have seen a reduction in the number of transactions in a store if an average, uh, you know, small store in like such as No Frills had 4,000 transactions in a day during the height of the pandemic, it had to be cut to like 1,200, 1,500, uh, in just in able to have the right number of people in the store in order to meet with the count. So that's structurally, what happened to us in some of our uh, discount businesses, and then uh, we fought to get it back. Uh, that's what. Uh, that's really how it went.
12: But those trends um, that would have impacted. You know your competitive discount banners as well, and I think you said earlier and during the course of the discussion that you were losing share share and discounts. So why why were these trends more impacting your discount banners versus your competitors?
4: Yeah, it's a good question. So I would say that from an enterprise, our our business is just more discount than k- conventional, and that's different for our competitors who are highly are more conventional um, than than they are discount. So I would say that So as a structural of our, our business just being more discount, we were impacted more and so we felt it more. So where um, others would have seen the benefit of the conventional um, increases in share, we were more swayed by the decreases on the discount side. In terms of um, discount to discount, there was some pieces where you know we did lose. It depended on the time period, some parts we did um, Liz and others, we won back, so it was the dynamics were uh, went back and forth through the year. But overall, I would say that um, it was related to just the the way that our business is structured between discount and conventional.
12: Okay, thanks. Um, I wanted to ask about the 2021 outlook, which is quite strong. Um, you know, looking for 10 to 15% EPS growth, and I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about some of your underlying thinking and why you're confident you can have that kind of growth rate. Like I see some of the positives. You're on your share buybacks. You have less share count. You've talked at length um, today about your hope for gross margin improvement and as well less COVID costs. You know, on the other hand, you're up against some very difficult comps. And hopefully as we're vaccinated, people uh, will be going back to restaurants. So consumer behavior may be working against you. So I'm just when if you talk a little bit more about the puts and takes and like 10 to 15 percent is quite an aggressive growth rate and why you're confident about that.
3: Yeah, P- Peter, I think uh, you just you kind of highlighted the areas. Um, I mean, we're confident because we've got momentum, because we see the ability to improve our margins. Part of it's on the back of this year. We've had margin pressures this year. We think, as Sarah just went through, some of that's been structural and um so as people are as we get the full shop back in, in certain areas and we get the mix back we think the margin is going to continue to increase we do expect to have the covid uh you know the covid cost to be significantly lower um the hard part to predict is how does the pandemic unfold and how does the shopping behavior unfold you know areas another area again like, as an example of strength you'd expect beauty to come back you know otc to come back to see margin enhancement there so you know, we've looked at it a number of ways. You know, we feel confident on on the guidance, but clearly, it's all prefaced with uh, it's going. We're going to. It's going to depend how the pandemic unfolds this year. But it's the best. Uh, it's the best knowledge that we have at this time. Yeah. I think the other
4: thing that I would add is that some of the investments we've made are starting to are not as strong, are not as high in 2021 as well. So when you think of digital that we've talked about, um, the pressure that we saw in 2020, we're not expecting to have the same pressure in 2021. Um, And so, I think in that case, there's a few of those as well.
12: Okay. And then just one other last question. On the PC financial, I noticed you reduced your allowance uh, by $10 million. I believe that's quarter over quarter. Um, Was that because your balances, uh, your credit card balances are lower? You're seeing, you anticipate better credit performance and what are your expectations for 2021? Do you think you'll be able to take that allowance down even further?
3: Yeah, Peter, it's, it is a function of payments. I mean, what we've seen is really high payment rates. Um, people are still spending on the card, but it's spending is down. But, but what's been um, a, a, bit, a bit of a surprise is how high the payment rate is relative to, to history. And so as a result of that, there's more confidence against the credit loss provision that we previously take, took. Um, we're going to have to continue to watch that closely, and if the, the the consumer continues to be in good shape, I would expect there will be some releases in that um, going into next year uh, or into this year. But uh, you know, time's going to, time will tell. But it's really a function of the forward-looking and uh, just a, a little bit brighter outlook. And I think you've seen other banks with similar uh, similar uh, actions within their results. Right. Okay. Thank you. That's all I have.
1: Your next question is from Patricia Baker of Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
13: Uh, Thank you very much and good morning, everyone. Um, I want to start by echoing uh, Mark uh, Petrie's sentiment about thanking you for giving us the incremental disclosure because it was very helpful. And one of the things that you did uh, include was uh, the impact of the efficiency and productivity uh, programs. And I think you noted that you've achieved one billion in cost savings over the last three years and that you expect to uh, you know see over two hundred million uh, further uh, improvement in twenty twenty one I'm just curious when we look at that those three years was was that achievement skewed towards the latter year in other words was it was there a meaningful impact on the on on F, f20 because typically when you start with those programs it takes time uh, to ramp up and then related to that can you talk a little bit about what are the things that we're going to see or where we're going to see the improvements uh in 2021
3: Maybe I'll start the first, uh, the first part of that. Um, yeah, I would say it's, it's pretty even, uh, Patricia, over the years. I mean, it's been a, a nice run rate. It skews from mm-hmm. year to year, but, it, but t- 2020 wasn't uh, materially higher than the, the other years.
4: And then in terms of where we're focusing, so we're focused on continu- continuing the rollout of things that are working, um, such as electronic shelf labels in our stores has been a nice P&E initiative for us self-checkouts, which we've talked a lot about, but we're getting, uh, I think COVID helped with uh, the penetration levels of self-checkouts in 2020. So we'll continue with those, but we've got some new ones too. So we're adding some automation. So we have a new automated RX distribution center in Milton that was opened in February of 2020. It's now at 75% capacity. So we're expecting savings from that. Uh, We've got a new uh, automated, partially automated DC in Cornwall. Uh, we already have a DC in Cornwall, so it's just uh, it's an increase to that, to the size of that, and expansion, um, with some automation in that too. It'll it'll uh, it'll open later in 2021, so not a huge impact in 2021, but we'll start to see some savings there. In 2022, we'll be closing our Laval and and uh, Ottawa DCs, uh, which we previously announced as a result of that. Uh, we've got some neat technology in terms of staff. Uh, in our stores such as gatekeeper so basically in that case if a cart doesn't go through one of our checkouts it gets the wheels get locked at the door um, so that's been rolled out um, so lots of uh, apprehension of, uh, of, of these in that area and also a deterrent if uh, if uh, people know that our stores have that uh, so lots of different technology that's being so lots of technology driven um, certainly in the beginning I would have said that we were more doing, uh, it was more through, uh, you know, cost saving initiatives and now we've had the time to implement more technology and uh, and that's what we're starting to see come through in 2021 and then 2022. So a, bit, a lot of work um, still to go in, uh it never ends in terms of finding savings okay that's that's an
13: excellent overview. I really appreciate it Sarah. I want to come back to the uh, the nice closure of the gap between discount and, and conventional and just ask about uh, traffic and with that seven point four percent same store sales increase I'm just curious whether or not you saw a sequential improvement in traffic from q three to q four in discount and whether or not the traffic trend in discount was better than the traffic trend in uh conventional in in q4 just you know trying trying to better understand what's going on there and the fact that you're probably getting discount shoppers back
4: yeah so we did see an increase in this in sequentially from q3 and q4 in discount in terms of traffic and uh i don't think we're we have the specific i don't know the specifics between or maybe we don't want to disclose the specifics between the traffic of the two uh divisions that we have uh in terms of which one's having more traffic but we did see the increase from in traffic from q3 to q4 in discount
3: and it was a nice healthy uh, growth in units in discount uh quarter over quarter as well
13: okay thank you for that and just a final uh small question on uh pharma pre and what what you're seeing uh you know, you, the, the stores, the, the non-essential parts of the stores were shut down for a period here in Quebec and uh, reopened, I think, in the beginning of February. So did you, did you see an automatic sort of pick up and return uh, to those items once they reopened?
4: Yes. So we would have had that in our food stores in Quebec as well, where we weren't allowed to sell certain right. merchandise yeah. as well. Yeah. So I would say, and we had that in Manitoba for a little bit as well. Um, so different rules in different parts of the country that added different dynamic, dynamics. So absolutely, we would um, see an increase um, as soon as those uh, the services were allowed to. So you would see an uptick in those parts of the businesses as soon as it was uh, opened again. And then I would say it would take a, a little bit of a ramp the first time it's open, allowed to shop there, and then it sort of uh, you know flattens out. Um, St- yeah, stabilizes. That. Yeah.
13: Okay, thank you very much.
1: Our next question is from Vishal Shridhar of National Bank. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
7: Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, most of my questions have been asked, but um, just wondering within the the uh, shoppers business, is the pharmacy services segment is that higher or lower margin than the than traditional, I guess, a blended RX margin?
4: It would be higher because it's all based on uh, the service. It's all based on the labor of the pharmacist that's in the store. So it would be doing a med check, so it really doesn't have any cost that comes with it other than the cost of the pharmacist um, or a flu flu shot or a COVID test. So it would, so obviously in the case of a COVID test, you have the cost of the test, um, but it would still be uh, for the med checks, which is the bulk of it, um, it it would be higher margin.
7: Okay, uh, thank you for that. And with respect to uh, uh, the price investment, I know um, uh, Sarah Lawbaugh has been uh, talking a lot about promotional effectiveness over the last several years and using loyal, loyalty data to better understand uh, consumer needs. And I was wondering, the price investments implemented in discount, were those done on base prices or were they done through the loyalty program with the, with the offers predominantly? Is there, is there a way it's skewed?
4: Oh, that's a good question. I would say that we would use all. We would use. We would have done it. Um, you know, in the flyer, we would have done it on. You know, in store, and it would have been through loyalty as well, and on. You know, shelf pricing. It would have been in all in all areas as well. In that.
7: Okay, and over time, should we anticipate more of this promotional activity will will move towards the loyalty type offering as you personalize it for each customer?
4: We have moved, um, so I would say that our we have been moving away from uh, mass offers to personal offers. So yes, I would expect it to continue.
7: Okay, and within at shoppers, obviously in in the uh, in the key beauty segment, traffic maybe not where uh, you know one might have uh, liked it at, uh, um, throughout 2020. Um, should we anticipate? higher promotional activity at that segment to reinvigorate it or are you comfortable where you are standing
4: i think we have to wait for demand to come back and so i think as things open up the demand will be there and then um, as vendors come out with new offers because the other thing that happened in beauty is that many of the our large vendors didn't come out with programs because there just wasn't a market for it so we are expecting uh you know new uh launches um as the as the you know the pandemic sort of uh dissipates um so we think that will be uh, excitement to beauty as well so we're not necessarily expecting that we'll need to do a lot of promotional activity to get shoppers back but it's hard to know we're expecting beauty launches and just a, an increase in
7: demand as people start to go out again okay and uh, maybe a last one here uh, in the materials and i may have i may have uh, misread this but in the materials i understood uh, it to, to uh, say that process and efficiency initiatives are expected to offset inflationary headwinds. And then, uh, you know, it also says that in 2021, process and efficiency initiatives will will uh, help reduce uh, costs in, in addition to lower COVID-19 costs on a year-over-year basis. So wondering if, 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 if 2021 will, the process and efficiency initiatives is one of the reasons why you'll be able to, actually, it's an additive reason why you'll be able to deliver uh, the earnings growth and then in future years, you just expect it to offset inflationary uh, headwinds. So more of a, like a, a one-time kind of thing in 2021.
3: No, I mean way to think about 2021, or just the way we're. If process efficiency is going to be an ongoing journey with data, and we're we're targeting to offset you know call it 200 million dollars of normal inflation every year. 2021 being no different, and you know the guidance, you know that that's reflective of. You know, our ability to you know keep operating the company with inflation and to deliver our financial framework and and that's reflected in the guidance for uh 2021.
7: thanks for the color okay thank
1: you your next question is from chris lee of Desjardins. please go ahead your line is open
7: Hi. Well, good morning
14: everyone thanks for squeezing me in um sarah i was wondering if you can give us an update on your e-commerce grocery Fulfillment initiatives. I think your last update was you have one automated MFC and four manual dark stores in the GTA just wondering what are your plans for this year?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. So yes, uh, I would say in terms of what are our plans in digital for 2021? They're very much focused on execution Uh, So we really are looking at improving our customer service at the higher demand that we've got Um, And then we're not expecting a huge increase in the penetration, um, but that may come. It's hard to know for sure. And so very focused on sort of two areas of customer execution, which is very much about uh, substitutions and then wait times. Um, But then also focused on uh, cost to serve, as I mentioned. In terms of our – we do believe that our future will will involve automation in terms of picking um, in them. And so we do have three, four um, uh, manual picks right now, and only one um, that's automated. We are working with our tech partner uh, to make sure that we have the best uh, method, but going forward, so it will involve technology going forward, but you shouldn't expect a, a large expansion of automated
14: MFCs in 2021. Great, okay, that's helpful. And then just another one on, online, for the 2 billion of grocery, digital grocery revenues, can you share with us just roughly the split between click and collect and home delivery?
4: The majority of it is click and collect for us. Uh, so, more, okay. than, more than 50%. Are
14: there plans to perhaps accelerate your home delivery service beyond relying on third party providers or are you currently satisfied with your arrangement with them?
4: Well, we've been pilot- piloting a few things in a few areas. Right now, we're quite pleased with our partnership um, that we have, um, but we're looking at different uh, opportunities as well.
14: Some of it we're doing it our- ourselves in some, uh, in some parts of the country. Great. Right. And then my last question is, um, Loblaw, you know, it, it, you guys are in a unique position of having built platforms for alternative revenue streams, like in media and healthcare, and etc. I guess my first question is, can you give us an update on where you are at, at Loblaw Media? And then secondly, just collectively speaking, when do you expect these alternative revenues to start have a have a more meaningful contribution to profitability?
4: Wow, that's a very good question. So I would say, in terms of uh, Loblaw media, um, 2020 wasn't a great year for for media in terms of uh, business in general, um, for advertising. Um, but for us, it was uh, it was about EBIT neutral, slightly positive in terms of so not a drag on us. We're not building. We've now got the platform in place. We're now ready uh, to leverage that platform, and so we do expect. 2021 to be uh, have positive um, earnings, positive revenue in Loblaw Media, but I wouldn't say it's big enough yet for us to be talking about it a lot, but that is definitely a platform that has been built and is ready to be executed, and we plan to do that in 2021. Uh, we have some nice partnerships with some of our vendors um, in order to be able to do that. Um, in terms of some of our other platforms, so when you think about PCMA or our, ma- our money accounts or our PC money account, it's a nice platform um, designed mostly to offset some of the funding um, of our credit card. Um, so I think that was sort of the key piece behind it. But what it also brings is a nice loyalty loop to our business. So when you think about our credit card portfolio uh, and then having a debit-like product as well, um, and what we're seeing, so it's still very early, we're happy with the number of uh, accounts that we have so far five months in, but what we're really pleased with is the amount of out of our store spend. Um, so in the 80% range is out of our stores, which is similar to our credit card. Um, and then of course, earning points to be spent um, in our stores. So we like uh, what that brings, that stickiness that it brings and bringing more customers um, into that um, with a new payment product as well. In terms of PC Health, um, it was a good year for 2020 and moving a bunch of things forward in that one, so, and lots going on in that one, but when you think of 2021, the key areas that you should, th- that we'll, that you should uh, ask us about that we're focused on are definitely on pharmacy services. So I mentioned that having a big increase in 2020, we expect to have another big increase in 2021. And then the second piece would be on, uh, we launched PC Health, Um, another platform um, that we launched in pilot in September and we plan to roll out um, throughout uh, 2021 um, nationally. And I think the things to look for there is to um, once again look on the focus on downloads, um, the usage of the the app, as well as engagement. So it's another way to have, uh, think of it as um, customers coming to us first uh, for their health needs um, through the app and then being directed uh, to pro- be provided with different health services, whether it's in our pharmacy business or being um, brought into telemedicine and being partnered up with doctors um, as well. So I would say we're very much engaged, focused on having lots of traction in those two platforms, PCMA as well as PC Health, um, and we talked about digital as well. And then media would be the other one. Good year
14: for, uh, to see some growth on that one as well. Great. that's all very helpful and uh, good luck. Thanks.
1: Your next question is from Mark Petrie of CIBC. Please go ahead, your line is open.
8: Yeah, I actually just wanted to follow up uh, and, and had questions exactly on, on what Chris just asked about, but I guess specifically with regards to the uh, the comment that you expect to invest about $20 million in incremental OpEx uh, with regards to the Connected Health um, Initiative, um, can you just sort of put that in context of what was, you know, in there for 2020? And and then I don't know if you can expand at all in terms of what the revenue model uh, looks like, but, you know, that might be helpful as we think about how this might play out over the next, you know, couple of years.
3: Sure, Mark. Um, yeah, no, I, it would be, we're not disclosing this year, but it would be in a, in a similar range in, in uh, 2020. Uh, the reason we frankly put this in there is based on feedback from the analyst investor community worried that we're spending too much or how much are we spending so it was just to frame it it's not an overly material amount we're spending um, it's still early days it's still a long-term opportunity but having like said that there's you know, there's a lot of confidence about by what we're seeing so far and the flywheel that we can create an ecosystem that we can create in here represents a massive opportunity so we were trying to do it just to frame it for you we are not there is not perfect clarity yet on the revenue model and the economic model we have a number of different uh, ideas that we're pursuing and, and, and thinking about, but uh, generally it's around getting the engagement up and getting the usage up and getting more people into the ecosystem. So we feel pretty optimistic and just wanted to frame it
8: for you so you, you could understand for your financial models. Okay, understood, helpful, thank you.
1: There are no further questions at this time. I will now turn the call back over to Roy McDonald for closing remarks.
0: Great. Thanks, everybody, for your questions and for your extra time this morning. We appreciate it. If you have any follow-up
2: questions, just give me a call or drop me an email, and you can uh, put a circle on your calendars for May 5th, when we'll be back to talk about our Q1 results. Thanks a lot, and have a great day, everybody.
1: This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.